It's tip-off time. The line, the jam! Welcome to ESPN Chicago's Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Throws it to win it! Listen on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app, on FM at 100.3 HD2, and on AM at ESPN 1000. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now here are your hosts, Jay Hood and Chris Black. Welcome in to Fast Break. It's Chris Black and Jonathan Hood with you every Saturday throughout the spring right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We talk Bulls basketball for two hours and the NBA. And Jonathan, tonight for the Chicago Bulls, the Bulls host the Miami Heat at the United Center at 7 o'clock. And tonight, I think, is where the Bulls playoff push begins. And tonight and going forward, uh, the next three games, especially with the Bucks and the Celtics, uh, tonight is going to be a playoff atmosphere at the United Center later on this evening because the Heat have really kicked the Bulls' butt this season. And now it's an opportunity. You've won two in a row. Now kind of create some momentum here as we have two weeks left here in the regular season of the NBA schedule. You know, Chris, the last time that the Bulls played the Heat at the United Center, I was in the house to see that. And what I saw was is just the Heat. I've, I've told you last few weeks that I think that the Heat are, quote-unquote, the best team in the NBA, as far as the best team in the East, as far as the, the way they share the basketball, how they're coached, how Pat Riley kind of presides over the team. But I think that the Heat, the way that they play, the thing that stands out to me the most is defensively, right? And that's something the Bulls have a hard time defending on their side. So this is a great test. And not just this game, but moving forward throughout the schedule. You're taking on Miami. You're taking on Milwaukee, Boston, Charlotte, and Minnesota. And what do they have in common? They're all playoff teams. Yeah. So you got to find out who you are. We know what the Bulls are, but can you redefine yourself here in the next few games going into the playoffs? And when we look at the Bulls and the Heat to this point in the season, uh, they've played three times already. Uh, once November 27th, uh, that game was uh, at the United Center. The Bulls lost that game 107-104. to 104. They played December the 11th in Miami. The Bulls got blown out in that contest, 118-92. Uh, and then February the 28th in Miami, that game was over by the first media timeout. Yeah. Uh, the Bulls lose that game to the Heat. 112 to 99. Uh, Zach's played okay in these games. Uh, he scored 33 against the Heat back in December. DeRozan had 28 back in November against the Heat. But basically, in the game in February, nobody played well. Uh, they were blown out early in the first quarter, and it, it was chasing down 20, 30 at sometimes in the second half. That game was pathetic and I, I would say I, I think we had the conversation afterwards that that was probably one of the worst losses of the season I know Bulls fans could probably name four or five that come to mind I, I think of that Sacramento game yeah. there was a game what just about a, a week and a half ago uh, on the road where the Bulls played really poorly as well so th- there have been situations where this team has not played to the expectation that we thought they, they would be to this point in the season but the good news is is you have five games left in the regular season, you have an opportunity to kind of change some of that uh, going into tonight's action. Uh, Zach Levine is listed on the injury report tonight as probable, mm-hmm. so he should play. Outside of that, everyone else is good uh, for the Chicago Bulls, who you should expect. And Lonzo Ball is starting up his rehab process again after having the 10-day pause. So, you know, we're, we're looking at this team as healthy as they can be at this point in the season, and, and that's where you find the Miami Heat tonight. So I was able to remove the bad taste 
in my mouth over the Knicks loss and the New Orleans loss yeah. because of the win against the Los Angeles Orleans, Clippers. That's it. Right, so, so here's what I liked about the Clipper win is that the Bulls showed a lot of resolve. And you damn near have to have someone scoring 50 points to beat the Clippers because if you're going to give up 130, you better – score 135 and it was one of those great DeRozan games of course in the month of March we've seen a plethora of 50 point or more games and DeRozan was able to do that I love what I saw from DeMar DeRozan especially in the clutch moments he only gave you two threes but the point is that he scored 50 points he had six assists and he had five rebounds there's a reason why people have called him an MVP candidate for a while here with the Bulls so you had to have that but I love that he was able to put the team on on his back uh, in that same game, you had a double-double from Vucevic. I love that. I, I will always look at Vucevic and say, here's a guy here, the modern Euro, that can be able to knock down threes. It gives you the easy rebounds. It gets, gets tough on the offensive glass. He did that. Give you five offensive rebounds and 22 points in that game against the Clippers. Then there's Zach Levine. He had 21 points and one for six from three-point range. Let me stop right there with Levine. Let's stop right there. So if you, if you follow Chris on Twitter... At Chris Bleck, what you will see is after every game, the next day, it's the morning after, where Bleck is there to be able to give you uh, screenshots of the Bulls, either the good things or the mistakes. One of the themes to your screenshots, sir, every single, after every single Bulls game is Levine's defense. And no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to talk about it except you. And I w- But we need to talk about it here on Fast Break because... There is one side that says, well, Levine's not 100% because of the, the leg. He's not 100%, so he's going to be a step slow defensively. The other side of it is, is that before we knew about the injury, Levine was playing the same defense. Mm-hmm. The dude is a scorer. But as far as defense one-on-one, that's not going to get it done. And I understand in today's NBA, and that it drives Tim Legler crazy, all those shows I did with him on NBA radio, when you bring up, hey, man, there's not enough man-to-man defense, he will... He will capture you in a corner and talk to you for two hours until you're blue in the face about, hey, man, how come there's so much switching? He hates the switching in the NBA. He says, I have to take on my guy. I got to take care of my guy. I don't need to have my whole team help me defend my one guy. He hates switching. And so for Zach Levine, I know it's all bottled up in the switches. Like, I'll have my man for three or four seconds and someone else switches off of him. But when it comes to one-on-one, Levine gives too much space to, uh, to the guy with the basketball and not enough of a hand up. The timing's bad. If you're looking for why the defense is leaky at times with the Bulls, you can start with Zach Levine. It, it, to me, it also comes down to communication, right? If you're playing a defense where everyone's switching one through four, if not one through five, you're in a situation where if you know that you're passing off and you're taking a different def- uh, offensive player as the defender, you need to communicate that. And I feel what you're pointing to is that we've seen multiple times, especially in this stretch where the Bulls have not played well, where there's a defensive lapse and then guys are looking around and they're looking at Zach. And he's looking around like, well, so someone was supposed to step in there. And it's like, well, there needs to be the communication. If you're not going to take the man and you're going to allow him to, to float to the corner to be standing there by himself, mm-hmm. then you need someone else to go there and you stay where you're at and try and get towards a defend to defend somebody that's in your area. Like there to me, it seems like there's a lack of basketball IQ and there's just like a lack of full effort defensively on every single possession, which in the previous seasons, people looked to Jim Boylan and said, he's the boogeyman. He's the bad guy. The reason Zach Levine plays poor defense is because the coach sucks. Right. 
I at that time was pointing out that like this is stuff that superstar players they don't do, right? Like we we've saw it with Paul George the other night. Paul George is playing great defense on both ends. You know, he's playing defense and he's playing offense. Like that's the type of player you need to be to take your team to the next level. And and Zach, I just think is missing that element to his game. And I I think, you know, noticing that and then seeing it over and over again. And I think the other thing that kind of comes into play when we we talk about Zach Levine is on the offensive end, I know that, that DeMar DeRozan's been the number one team, uh, number one player on this team for this season. He's been the best player. You laid it out. He's in the conversation for MVP. Sure. That doesn't mean that Zach then has to stand around and do nothing. And I feel as if the longer this season has gone on, you've seen less of Zach being aggressive and ready to go in big spots in crunch time at the end of games where he's needed. And, and that's why the Bulls are a dangerous team is because they have two wing scorers who can do anything offensively. And I feel like if you point to a specific uh, situation against the Clippers, the Bulls are down three, 114 to 111, 22 seconds left on the clock. Mm-hmm. DeMar DeRozan brings it up on the left side of the court. He drives into the middle, to the center, to the lane. Paul George takes two steps off of Zach Levine into the lane, Zach's standing on the the three-point line. DeMar looks and finds Zach open for three. And Zach is standing flat-footed, casually, not ready to fire off. You're down three points with 22 seconds left. Now, the play worked out. The Bulls eventually got two because Zach drove to the basket, found Green, got in. uh, They got two points in the situation. The point that I'm drawing to is, like, why was Zach not ready in that spot? He's your best three-point shooter. The fire away. You, you got your best player, DeMar DeRozan, got two defenders to come to you. Mm-hmm. You were wide open by a step. Paul George was late to, to rotate over, and he was he was waiting. Like, Zach wasn't ready to attack. Right. That, to me, is the stuff that, like, I, I think people can blame the injury, but also, like, there seems to be something amiss when you factor this all together in the equation on trying to figure out if Zach's a superstar player in this league. Well, I, I think that w- one thing we could take into account is, are you injured or are you hurt, right? And that's the thing that we don't know. That's the thing. And not giving him a pass, what I'm saying is that because we know that there's an issue with the knee, with the leg, that we don't know if he's going through some mental hurdles or is he physically hurt where he can't be able to do the fundamental things that we're used to seeing, especially when the team wasn't any good. Uh, I think that he realizes now that he's got help and he doesn't have to do everything, which I'm good with, right? But however, being that clutch player, especially being in a position to score, you got to be that, man, because if nothing else, you might be hurt, but you can still score. We've seen that, right? You can still jump. You can still be able to get to the basket. We can still see that even though his leg is not 100%. I guess my point defensively, and I, I mentioned this in December, and I love the resistance from Bulls fans saying, you're being like Nick Friedel. You're being like for Nick Friedel. Why are you so negative on the Bulls? And I go, thank you. Being like Nick Friedel, a single, happy, and paid, and, and, and has covered two or three teams in the league, in, in the NBA culture, thank you. I appreciate that. I'll be Nick Friedel all day if I wanted to be. Nonetheless, <laughs> I'll, I'll be glad Party. to. Thank you. Party. I'm covering the Nets. I, li- I live in a flat in Brooklyn. Thank yeah, right. you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, my, my whole thing is is that it's not about negativity as much as understanding the league. When you watch the, if you watch the Bulls, that's one thing. But when you watch the league as often as Chris and I do, we are looking at 
the teams like the Suns or teams like Memphis or teams like Golden State, teams like the Brooklyn Nets, if you can outscore teams, I wouldn't say anything about the defense. Like, well, they're just not a very good defensive team, but boy, they have a lot of scoring, right? The Bulls coming into tonight's game is averaging 111 points a game. And a lot of nights in today's NBA, that's not enough, right? So, and so that's my whole thing when I look at this, Chris, is that if the Bulls were able to score like they did against uh, the Los Angeles Clippers in a 135-130 loss, I'd say, well, you know, not very good defensively, but boy, they have so many guys that can hurt you offensively. They just have to outscore teams. But the Bulls don't have enough of those guys. There's something that has to be solved in the offseason. But I'm happy with the victory. The Bulls were able to outlast the Clippers, and I thought it was an exciting game. But tonight's game and, the, and moving forward will tell you all you need to know about the Bulls and how they could fare in the playoffs. If you want to talk Bulls basketball in the NBA with Jonathan Hood and Chris Bleck, you can call us at 312-332-3776. There's a player who stood out to me on Thursday night against the Clippers, and I think we need to talk about him. We'll talk about that Bulls player coming up next. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is ESPN Chicago's Fast Break. Everything Bulls and NBA in a convenient two-hour package. Or if you miss your shot for live, the Fast Break podcast is available on the ESPN Chicago app. Now back to Fast Break. Here's Jay Hood and Chris Black on ESPN 1000. The Bulls play the Heat tonight. On Thursday night, the Bulls beat the Clippers 135 to 130 in overtime. You know, obviously, DeMar DeRozan was the story, 50 points. He had six assists, five rebounds. He went 14 and 15 from the foul line. He he was incredible. A 50-point game, the 18th 50-point game in this year's uh, NBA season. But, Jonathan, there was a player for the Chicago Bulls that I actually thought his game was more impressive than 50 from DeMar DeRozan. And I'm talking about Patrick Williams. He played 36 minutes. He gave you 10 points, 12 rebounds, and he played great defense Two corner threes that were legit in the fourth quarter and overtime from Patrick Williams. Driving to the basket, his ability to get those rebounds and collect in big spots for the Chicago Bulls, both offensively and defensively. You know, his return to this team has been shaky. Uh, A lot of inconsistent play. But earning 36 minutes in a tight ball game and you are out there for the fourth and overtime, like this is exactly what the Bulls need from Patrick Williams. And he adds that extra element that this team's kind of missing. Someone who's big enough to defend on the perimeter, but also collect rebounds down low to help out Vooch. And and then also be a guy who doesn't need the basketball in his hands to, to do things offensively. He goes and gets an offensive rebound, puts it back in. He cuts baseline, gets a dunk. He's standing in the corner, ready to go, hits a three when we're not really expecting a whole lot out of him. I was extremely impressed by Patrick Williams on Thursday night against the Clippers. For a guy that's coming off of an injury and he looked like he's been playing the entire time. When Williams was at Florida State playing under Leonard Williams, um, Hamilton. Leonard, Leonard Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I, he was playing for Leonard Hamilton, uh, he was a guy that was a six-man coming off the bench, and it's because of how deep Hamilton's team was, right? And so to see him now and to see that he's always there for the key rebounds. I see that he scored 10 points against the Clippers, but the 12 rebounds were the key for me. Yeah. Uh, I knew coming into the season, Chris, that I kind of felt like the Bulls team was a little bit small, 
And that's what Vucevic on. I said, yeah, it's a little bit small. It's, it doesn't have enough rebounding edge to it. And I think that Williams could definitely provide that. You have a number of scorers, sure. The 10 points is great, but I love the grit of the three offensive rebounds and the 12 rebounds he brings. And so with him, along with, with Caruso being on the team, it helps. Uh, but once again, it's about who's going to hit the big shots. It's, it's a shot-making league. And when the time is tight, outside of Rosen and Levine, who else is going to take that big shot that can be, be help you down the stretch? And he, you know, Patrick Williams hit a couple of those threes late in the corner. He yeah. was ready to go. And, you know, I, I feel as if he showed us a couple of glimpses to why the front office loves him. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing that was said to me before the Bulls drafted Patrick Williams was that they have their eyes on Williams. They love him because they think at his potential – his height, his ceiling in the league would be the next Kawhi Leonard. Sure. Now, come on. That's crazy, right? That's a guy who's in the MVP conversations. He's been an MVP of the finals. He won a championship when he went uh, north of the border to, to Toronto. Like, that's a crazy comparison. But then you see the way he plays and he moves on the court. And, like, him running from end to end seems effortless. And his ability to stay in a defensive stance and to be in the right spots, it seems as if I see exactly what they saw in the potential in uh, Patrick Williams. And, like, there was one key play that I think is something that, at this moment, he's not polished enough to take advantage of. What's that? And it was in the fourth quarter with about 50 seconds left. Baseline? Well, no, no. Their Bulls are on defense. Okay. Bulls are on defense. The ball's on the opposite side. And I believe it's Paul George driving on Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. The, the Clippers are up by three points. He goes to the baseline yeah. and looks for a bailout to pass it to the top of the arc. Yeah. That's Patrick Williams yeah. jumps it mm-hmm. and misses it. He jumps the pass and he's in the perfect position and just whizzes by his head. Yeah. I feel as if next year or maybe at the end of the playoffs this year, that's a pick and a dunk on the other end. Mm-hmm. And and we're, you know, raving about how good Patrick Williams is. He was almost there. And I feel like there, there's some rust and, and also maybe just the fact that he needs some uh, development. But he's in the right spots defensively, and he has the skill set to be one of those game-changing defensive players who then can immediately help you out in the offensive end. So tell me this. What do you think his ceiling is? If I told you his ceiling is Bam Adebayo, you'd take that, right? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if I told you, yeah. you know, like... Um, Shot rearranger, maybe not the classic shot blocker, but also aggressive going to the rim. Um, if I told you that that's who he's going to be, and, I'm, and we're talking about now someone that's giving you a double-double every night, and bam, who we're going to see on the floor tonight uh, against the Bulls. So 19 points and 10 rebounds. You'll take that, right? Yeah. That size, because yep. I'm trying to think of uh, a comp. Uh, Bio is probably a legit 6'8", 6'9", sure. with his size. Yeah. So what if, he, if his ceiling is bam Bio? You take that for Patrick Williams, right? Hands down. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's 20 years old right now. He doesn't turn 21 until August. So, you know, like he'll be heading into next season as a 21-year-old in his third season in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, I mean, listen, could he develop into just someone who's like a rotational piece? Absolutely. Like, the you know, uh, he was guarding Morris for most of uh, the game in the fourth quarter. And you look at that situation. Who is it? Marcus Morris. He's guarding Morris. And, like, at one point, wasn't Marcus Morris and his brother both, like, high potential oh, guys yeah. who could maybe turn into something, right? And they, yeah, they, they just turned into solid pros for an extended period of time. Or, or you know, a, a name that I always um, think about, if you want to compare body types, like Jeff Green. 
Oh. Jeff Green for a long time. Wait, he was the number four pick, right? Yeah, that's a twenty almost twenty year career. Sure, right, twenty year career. Yeah, but he was never an all star. No, he was never the guy on a team. And it's possible that Patrick Williams never turns into that. Mm-hmm. But I also think, like, in thirty six minutes, in what the handful of games he's returned this season, it, it seems as if Patrick Williams just needs a little time sure. to continue to develop. And and this he brings something to the table this team doesn't really have because like Derrick Jones can play the defense I think that Patrick can bring to the table but he's also not as heavy mm-hmm. you know he's very skinny so he gets pushed around down on the block where Patrick Williams you saw multiple times in the fourth quarter he blocked out he got the rebound defensively and then boom you're off to the offensive end yeah. I was just very rewatching the game I was super impressed I didn't expect to think that Williams was playing that well. And, you know, Billy Donovan talked about it it, after the game about the decision to to start Williams in the second half over Caruso. Mm -hmm. Here's Billy Donovan on Thursday night. Well, you know, I think at least to start the game, they were really going at Morris, you know, and it's hard because with Batoon and Morris and Paul George, um, even Zubak, you know, on the wing spots, the power forward spot and the center spot, they're really, really big. And and I thought, you know, some of our our challenges were the fact that they were just playing over us. You know, I didn't think it was necessarily bad defense. Like, DeMar was down there battling, but Morris obviously had a really, really big first half, and I just felt like we needed to put a little bit more size on him. You know, Alex has been nursing a back. We're trying to be careful with his minutes. Um, And, you know, I thought 13 in the first half, we could kind of maybe play him a little bit more in the second. And I thought, you know, Patrick maybe matching up with Morris would allow us to shift around some matchups and get a little bit more size on him because that was something they went to very, very early in the game. Billy Diamond on Thursday night also talked about Patrick Williams and his ability to find ways to score, even though the ball wasn't in his hands. Mm-hmm. Primarily, it's in DeMar's or Zach's hands. Here's Donovan on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's got to do. You know, I think you felt him a little bit tonight, which was great. Um, you know, I, I thought he could have been a little bit more aggressive in the first half. I thought he had a couple opportunities where there was some offensive rebounds kicked out to him that he kind of just dumped it in the post and cut where he should have put the ball on the floor and needed to be a little bit more aggressive. But, you know, he made a big three out of the corner. Uh, you know, he had a great driving, finishing dunk. Uh, he was active around the basket. And, you know, that's what we need him to do. And he has to, has to, he has to do that. Uh, I, I think for Patrick, a lot of the things that we're asking of him are things that he can really control. I mean, I understand his timing is going to take some time to come back. You know, as it relates to handling and passing and shooting, those things take time. But he can get his energy, his athleticism, his physicality into the game, and it was it was good to see him be able to do that tonight. Billy Diamond, Thursday night, talking about Patrick Williams. This is why the Bulls had to bring in Tristan Thompson, because they just need some size in there, someone that could bang. And you see Patrick Williams being part of this as well. Yes, I, I've heard also the comparisons to Kawhi Leonard. Uh, this Kawhi Leonard you speak of, I've been looking him up while you're playing that. Now, yeah. Did he play in the league? Now, tell me about this Kawhi Leonard. Well, he's injured. Um, ah. I saw this week heading into the Clippers game, mm. apparently his uh, his rehab process is going better than they thought, mm. and he is possible to uh, maybe play in the playing games. So in, in a week and a half, the Clippers are going to be in the playing. It, it's possible that they get... Kawhi back for the plan. You say that he was an NBA champion, this Kawhi yes, Leonard. Yeah, star. And, yeah. and was a good quiet, defender. though. Very quiet. Good defender? Great defender. Okay. A lot of length. Hands always ready to pick your pocket and to start a fast break. Good passer. Very smooth with the basketball. No you, wasted motions on the court. You know what, Chris? Yeah. I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about, so I don't believe you. How about that? John and Gurney, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, John? 
Good afternoon, guys. Hey, I was uh, thinking about next year. Are the Bulls at this point able to add a, a full max contract? Quiet. Uh, if you know, if the plan has been to get a good core, that you could add a top player too. Sure, John. And, and the answer there is uh, it's going to be Zach Levine. He is due for a contract this offseason, and he's going to get maxed out. And I would imagine that's with the Bulls. And if that happens, they won't have anything left to add another player to? It'll be pieces. Yeah, it won't. Sure. Like, John, if, if you and I are running the team, the number one thing that we're looking for is another some shooting off the bench. This is this is this is no shot at Kobe White or for Ayo Desumu, but you need to have a knockdown shooter. You got to have more scoring because if the Bulls aren't going to be better defensively, you got to have more scoring coming off the bench. So I think if you and I are running it, this is what we got to look for in the off season. Yep. And uh, Corver's retired, right? That's exactly <laughs> right. And, yes, he, he, he is. He's retired, but you can still put up yeah, some shots. Yeah, probably still shoot. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Sure. Yeah, I, I think Kyle Corver is an assistant with the Nets, and he's been working with Ben Simmons. If I if I've got this right, the the litigious mm-hmm. uh, Ben Simmons, yep. right? He yes. of the litigious Ben Simmons, yes. a sue your old team. Yes, going after his money for us not being available, and they they kept the kept back his checks. Oh, okay. Great. But uh, I believe Kyle Korver is helping him with his free throw shooting. Yes. So. And J.J. Redick also is yeah. retired. Uh, yeah, Redick uh, hot takes. Yes. He's got the takes for you on ESPN television. That's He's there right. for you. That's right. Matt and Streamwood, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my phone call. I wanted to ask you guys, uh, Black and Hoodie, do you think that when it comes time to the playoffs, do you think the other team's game plan is to shut down DeRozan and have the other guys prove themselves that they can beat him, or do you think they're going to let DeRozan get his it could test everyone out. It's a a great question. It's a great question, Matt, and and here's why it is. is because I can't remember a time, Chris, you tell me, maybe it's just my eyes, from the time that DeRozan was with San Antonio or Toronto, I don't remember him always requiring a double team uh, because he's a guy here that was always a piece to the team but not a guy like, oh, we got to shut him down. He wasn't game plan. You just knew that Whatever would happen, no matter if you played man-to-man, whatever your defensive tastes are, that DeRozan was going to give you give 20 points a game on you because it's the mid-range, right? He's not going to shoot well from the outside. He's going to give you the mid-range to go to the basket and get to the foul line. So, you know, I, I don't foresee whoever the Bulls play that DeRozan is going to get doubled unless he has another 50-burger on teams in the playoffs. I don't foresee that. But I think that strong defense on the perimeter – uh, against Levine, uh, against uh, players of that ilk, I think that that's going to be where you know Levine could get shut down and everything will be on DeRozan. I could see that. If defenses want to gamble on Kobe White and Ayo DeSumo in the corner having to hit threes to beat you, I think they'll take that. Sure. Right? Like, sure. If you were drawing up a defense and you say, all right, if we limit DeMar at the free throw line, we're going to throw someone a second person at him every time, we'll leave the corner. And I was standing in the corner, like, no offense. Like, I would assume most teams would see that and be like, yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, I mean. Until he starts making three-point shots here late in the season. You want to see some hot three-point shooting, watch a Miami Heat game. I don't know if that's going to happen tonight, but before, for sure, look at at least four or five of the players in the Heat. They are relentless with a three-point shot, and that's one of the reasons why they're very good, along with their defense in the league. Previewing the Bulls in the Heat later on tonight, we're taking your calls at 312-332-3776. It's Jonathan Hood, Chris Black. It's Fast Break. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Kawhi. This is Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. 
Follow Jay Hood on Instagram at IGJHood or at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Chris Black with Jonathan Hood. Each Saturday in the spring, we're talking Bulls basketball and the NBA with you here on Fast Break. And don't forget, if we're not on, because we know baseball season is running around the corner, White Sox baseball season is running around the corner, make sure that you check out the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you ever get your podcast. Look for Fast Break with Black and Hood. And so if you don't catch us on Saturday, we always have the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. The show will continue. Yes. Even if uh, there's White Sox baseball on Saturday afternoons, at least until uh, the Bulls season comes to a close. And hopefully that's uh, at some point in mid-May. You know, we're we're taking a look. The the we're in the final two weeks of the NBA season, yeah. And uh, we'll have the playing games for the week following that, and then we got the NBA playoffs. and And the Bulls right now are are looking at a a road matchup where they'll be the road team as the fifth seed, and we'll see how it kind of works out for the NBA playoffs in the next two weeks. All right, Jonathan. Uh, this is going to be a, a fun experience, I think. All right. Uh, 312-332-3776. We go to Mo in Frankfurt. Mo, have you ever talked to Jonathan Hood before? Okay, so I've talked to him. Okay, so I'm the uh, cap and hoodie on the, uh, you know, those commercials. That's me. Ba, 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 ba. That's right. That's right. You know, that's you. That's right. That's me. Right. So I got one for you guys. Ba, ba. Black and hoodie. Ba, 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 ba. How about that, Mo? Yeah, it was okay, I guess. Yeah, Anyways, yeah I just but, come um, on vacation. No, no, yeah. I'm actually going to talk serious talk. Okay. Oh, was, serious talk. Here we go. I didn't have any show notes. Papa. Oh, Jonathan, uh, so Mo calls in uh, frequently at yeah. night, and he gives us show notes. Oh. He critiques our show oh, from 6 eight, but also he has notes. Uh, he has a whole notepad of things from the station. Oh. Mo, were you listening yesterday? Do you have any notes from yesterday's shows? Well, yesterday was kind of busy. However, mm-hmm. I got shows just sitting on hold. Uh, sitting on hold right now, I got a whole bunch of notes. All and right. I was just going to talk about, like, uh, um, Billy Donovan. Like, I think I, I see how he's good. He plays his, his uh, like, the players. Like, so, um, Vooch was the first quarter, right? Yeah. And then uh, third quarter, you got Patrick Williams. He started him. You know, in the fourth quarter, it's the Rosen. You know, Zach had the second quarter. He like rotates his players during the game. God, did you notice that? Yeah, that he rotates his players during the game. Yeah, I did notice. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, like Vooch scored the first what ten points yesterday mm-hmm. or uh, Thursday. I mean, against the Clippers, mm-hmm. he was on fire, and then we didn't see anything from him later because Zach came in and you know all that stuff. Patrick Williams. I think is going to be very special. I love the guy. He, mm-hmm. He's looking good. He's confident. I like it. I think uh, Tristan is a foul guy. I think um, Donovan puts him in to be, okay, you're my foul guy. Mm-hmm. You know? Baseball, I'm a little mad a little bit about it, that your station picked up the White Sox, my favorite team in the world. I am a little because... I love listening to Waddle and Sylvie at night and everything, you know, like. Nighttime. And then all of a sudden, Changes. they cut it off. 
Oh, okay, well, you know, the last time the Sox won the World Series is right here at ESPN 1000, so that's a good omen. That is true. How about oh, that? my God, of course. How about that? Yes, sir. And then our guy that was calling the games went to St. Louis. Yeah. John, John Rooney. John Rooney. Out! Out! A White Sox winner and a World Championship! Oh, it's it's buried in my brain. I love that. The White and Sox the are mobbing each other on the field! Oh, my God. Sox won the World Series. Bound. <laughs> I loved it. But anyways, he was, um, he was down. Bobby Jakes was down. <laughs> he was down. The whole team they <laughs> they jumped on him. Yes, right. yes, yes. All right. What else do you have? What, on what the other pad? notes you got there, Mo? Okay. So, um, oh my God, like the whole thing about the station moving their things around and Good things. Right. You guys, Black, you're going to be doing Yurko and Carmen and uh-huh. producing. Know, that's cool. I'll I'm going to be producing them, not doing. Producing. Look. Well, doing and producing is yeah, the same thing. Well, anyway, in this business, it is. You're right. <laughs> in this business, it is. <laughs> go ahead. Anyways, but no, no. I, I loved calling it Adam during the Waterloo and Sylvie thing. And I'm like, I'm not going to go on the radio. I just tell him this because I'm like, really, you know, like Sylvie comes out of vacation and he's 100% against the Bulls. We, this team sucks. This, this, and this. And then on Thursday, I'm watching his tweets. He's like, my Bulls are back. <laughs> hmm. Like, wait, what? Hmm. Interesting. Right. Anyways, but the whole mix-up and you guys coming down a little bit—that's totally cool. I love it. Um, I know the uh, hoodie and caps going to be in the mornings. Yeah. Um, Yurko and and and, and uh, Carmen—they're going to be yeah. two o'clock to no. They're, they're going to be at twelve to two. Uh, okay. All right. Right. Uh, yeah, that's what but, I read. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. And Meller goes to the Waddle and Sylvie show. Yeah. Right? How about that? Show notes, baby. Show notes. <laughs> that'll be fine. All right, that'll be fine. Thank you very All much. All right, Mo. Have a great day. <laughs> hey, guys. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the basketball games tonight. Uh, we too, will. Mo. Absolutely. Thanks, Mo. And then uh, at night, we hit them with the uh, afterwards. It's, uh, it's what happens. He Jonathan. rides off on his bike. <laughs> Toodaloo! See you next time, Mo! Toodaloo! <laughs> Taylor in Hyde Park, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Taylor? <laughs> Yo, what's up? What's up? Hoodie, welcome back, man. Thank you, you know, man. You. Hey, man, you how's, know, how's business? It's good as always. You know, it's always good. It's uh, a little rainy, but, you know, the springtime comes. This is our month. You know, 420, we do, uh, do big numbers, so I can't wait to <laughs> nice. kind of celebrate. That's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's funny, when you... Uh, this is a basketball show, so we can't be playing country music or rock music. We gotta, you know, we, we can't. This is a basketball show, man. Come on. Um, but I got a, a comment about Patrick Williams. Hmm? I don't see all the love for Patrick. I mean, I like him because he's a bull, but I don't see a real skill set there. And to be in the NBA for, you know, 15, 12 years, as you mentioned, these other players, they have, you know, some sort of skill set. He isn't like a big dribbler. He can't really shoot the ball well. You know, he, you know, he doesn't pass well. So I don't know what his, his true skill set is. And to play 36 minutes to get 10 points, meh. Um, so in my mind, I'm just not sure where he fits in long term. And you know, there's not many players who were you know bench players in college who end up being stars in the NBA. So I'm just not 100% sure where or where he fits in long term with this team. Only player I can think of off the top of my head with like no real skill set but who's like a, a consistent all-star would be like a guy like Draymond Green. And even him, his passing is, you know, kind of a skill set. 
So in my mind, I just don't know where he fits in long term or where the love comes from. Well, I don't really see a skill set. I want, I want to get your guys' opinion about that. Yeah, it's a it's a fair point. I mean, if you strictly look at the box score, uh, you may see Patrick Williams and say that's not impressive. I, I think what the key here is this isn't a bottom feeder team where he's the only offensive option. Correct. Therefore, he, he's giving you all these stats that we can then rave about. Like the, uh, the idea that I have off of it is he fits perfectly in with two dominant ball handlers and a center who also can score. You know, he, he's someone who's there contributing positive minutes, positive possessions, smart plays, mm-hmm. good defense without having to be a black hole when it comes to shots. Well, for some people, defense isn't sexy enough. Yeah, yeah, you, I mean, you, you can be box score Billy and just kind of look through it and says, oh, he had 10 points. That's not really impressive. Well, you watch the game, just watch the floor spacing. Watch how he's able to put himself in position to rebound the basketball. Again, Patrick Williams was drafted high by the Bulls for a reason. It was because of his upside. If you watch Florida State basketball, if you don't believe me, ask Tyler. Here's a guy here that was a good piece to the Hamilton team and that he could have started, but they were so deep. He was a sixth man coming off the bench. And so I just think that because of the intangibles that he brings, I mean, it's not about the 10 points. It's about how he can be able to rebound the basketball, play some defense because that's needed on this basketball team. Tyler explained this well last year, hanging into the draft. Now, Tyler, uh, what was the makeup of that Florida state team? Jonathan just laid it out to why Williams was on the bench, but also they were unique as an ACC team that had a chance to go deep in the tournament. But uh, this is two years ago who could go deep in the tournament, but they were basically built off of seniors, right? Right. So this is the thing about Florida state is they're kind of like Villanova in the sense that they like to get old. They like to just have a lot of veteran guys on their team and, you look at anybody really that was in that draft, I don't think they would have started on Florida State. Like, literally, it's just the culture. It's more of a culture thing than a skill set thing. Patrick Williams was playing in the closing lineups. So he was playing when it mattered most. He just didn't hear his name from the PA announcer at the beginning of games. So that's kind of the way it is at Florida State. A lot of freshmen don't crack the starting lineup right away. Yeah. And and so that and thank you, Tyler. And that that's why, like, you look at it and you say, well, this kid wasn't uh, a superstar, you know, in college basketball. How could he be a star in the NBA? And then the the other thing is uh, this team, Florida State, that is and Patrick Williams team. They got hit by the pandemic. You know, like there was no tournament that year. And who's to say if there was a tournament that Patrick Williams could have been one of the stars of the tournament, sure. you know, as you know, just like John ja Morant wasn't really the name he was until he he blew our minds in the tournament and was incredible. And, and we, we talked about him for the entire month of March. And we're like, hold up. He's playing for Murray State. How could a guy from Murray State be a top five pick like that? And then you you continue to watch. and You're like, this is this, this guy's a real deal. And, and unfortunately for Patrick Williams, but to the benefit of the Bulls, like he didn't have that. Like, say he shows out in the in the tournament. Could he have gone two? Could he have gone three? You never know how that plays out. I like what the Bulls did by having someone like that, those intangibles, raw, physical, and he has the ability to be able to blossom. You You know, in today's NBA draft, you're not just getting LeBron James off the top anymore, right? We don't even know what Cade Cunningham could be. I know what – well, we don't know what he is. We know what he could be. Let's put it that way, yeah. right? And so there's certain players that you see, Chris, and you're just like, yeah, who's that transcendent difference-making superstar from the rip that could be able to be that guy? We don't know. Uh, but with Patrick Williams, I like that there's a lot of upside with him. 
You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Wrong page. What's that? Welcome back to Jay Hood and Chris Black, the hosts of ESPN Chicago's Fast Break. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now, Fast Break flies on. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood and Chris Black here. Fast break with you Saturdays from 1 to 3 right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. As we come into action today, Jonathan, in the Eastern Conference, the Bulls are sitting in the fifth spot at 54 and 32. Uh, Toronto's at 45 and 32. And the Cleveland Cavaliers are at 42 and 35. Uh, The reason I bring this up is right now Cleveland is playing in New York against the Knicks. The Cavs lead 102 to 85 with 36 Aww. seconds left in the third quarter. Bing bong. If, if there is uh, something to kind of keep your eyes on for today, and, and this may be all for naught because this game will end in the next uh, 40 minutes in New York City. It's over. It's if, final. If the Cavs lose to the Knicks today yeah. and the Bulls beat the Heat, yep. the Bulls would clinch an avoidance of the playing games. Mm-hmm. Good. But at the moment, the Cavs are up by uh, 17. It's over. Heading into the fourth quarter. And it's, you know, we all we also understand against the Heat tonight's going to be a tall task. So it seems as if we will go into uh, Tuesday's night action against the Bucks with another scenario with the Cavs and whether or not the Cavs can avoid the play-in or if the Bulls will fall to that spot. But last night, there was a lot of great action in the NBA as uh you know, the Memphis Grizzlies beat the oh. Phoenix Suns. The Suns have their healthy pieces. The Grizz win 122-114. to 114. Man, how would you like to be in the Memphis, uh, northern Arkansas area and say, I need an NBA team to root for, <laughs> and it's Memphis. Oh, my God, Chris. You and I watch this on the package all the time, man. That home court advantage is collegiate. It's like college, man. Yeah. They got the tiles open. They say, whoop that trick. Whoop that trick. It's like, it, it is amazing atmosphere. It is electric there. But here's what impressed me. So the Grizzlies are going to beat the Western Conference champions without John Morant. They're going to do that without Steven Adams. They're going to do that without Bain. And was able to get it done against Booker and Chris Paul and Crowder and Bridges, the full Aiton, the full complement of Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies without their stars. And they beat the Grizz- and they beat the Suns yesterday. That that team is amazing to watch. And when they get fully healthy, I'm here to tell you right now. I'm here to tell you right now. Yeah. If there's going to be a matchup with the Grizzlies and the Golden State, I'm taking Memphis. I would have to lean that way as well at but, the moment. If Steph Curry's not healthy, if that's the case, he's not going to play until the playoffs. You know, you can't assume anything for Golden State. Right? Now, if Steph Curry was healthy and rolling the way he was. I would have a different opinion, but Memphis right now, even uh, with or without John Morant, the Grizzlies are the better basketball team sitting at 55 and 23. They're so much fun, though. They like, are. They're this a lot is, of fun. Like, this is different from the grindhouse, right? Grinding out victories 100 to 99, tough-minded Gasol, Zebo, guys like that. Chris, this team is up and down the floor. It's fun. The crowd's into it. Like I said, it's almost like a collegiate atmosphere, and they beat a Suns team. Now, again, it's regular season. If you have a, a, a series, Suns beat the Grizzlies. Might take them five, may take them six because of how battle-tested the Suns are. But that's fun, man. That's, that's a fun group. When you look at the rest of the Western Conference, Golden State is seven games back of the Grizzlies, and Golden State is only a half game up on Dallas in the fourth spot. 
So over the next week and a half, there is the the possibility that Golden State falls to four or maybe five. The Jazz are sitting uh, two games behind Golden State. So like things could get weird for the Golden State Warriors who have title hopes in this season if guys can get healthy. Another game that I saw from last night that I thought was really fascinating where uh, the Timberwolves went to Denver yeah. and they beat the Nuggets 136 to 130. Tell me about that game. The Timberwolves are chasing the Nuggets in the standings. And boy, you want to talk about fun. I will 100% agree with you on, on Memphis. Yeah. If you had to pick another team that's having a lot of fun, a bunch of young players, Minnesota Timberwolves would be my pick. Carl Anthony Towns last night had 32 points. Uh, Edwards had 18. You had 24 from D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. And this group, like, here's what I really appreciate about the Memphis, uh, I mean, about the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're chirpy. And, yes, and they I feel are. Like, I feel like there's <laughs> there's two ways that this could go. Yeah. You could be young and, and like, you're like a snot and, like, you, you just are, are talking blank and you shouldn't be. Right. Or you're talking blank and you have confidence and you're showing up people and you're saying, oh, yeah, you think you're uh, you're an MVP? Jokic, yeah, really? You're an MVP? Well, guess what? Pop a three in your eye, Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, yeah. here's another possession. Uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, he does a step side uh, move on, on Jokic at the end of the game and buries a big time three and immediately starts talking trash to the bench. Like the way the Timberwolves play, Man. they have taken Patrick Beverly's attitude and they've supplied it to every member on the team, and they're young and they're dumb. It doesn't matter. They've got the talent, yeah. and they're fun to watch. They're they're right there with the Grizzlies, man. I, now think about this. And Jokic and your MVP nonsense, get out of here. Yeah, that's that's enough of the Jokic, right? Yeah, I mean, stop, come on. Give, stop giving the guy. You know, give him his flowers. I mean, he's a tremendous player. The the MVP for me is Embiid, but I just think that not, for, for me, it's Embiid. But but the but the idea that Jokic could go back to back, I don't agree with that. Uh, and you're right about the Timberwolves. Imagine if Jimmy Butler was back with the Timberwolves and with this attitude, with yeah. this attitude, right? Yeah, right? That's what Jimmy wanted. Right? He wanted to like, hey man, you should have that chip on your shoulder. That's what I do. And Carlton Towns and Wiggins weren't ready for that. They weren't ready for that because they were soft. But look at him now. The just the swag, the drip from the Timberwolves. It's like okay. And so that, I think that confidence, of course, they're good basketball, but their confidence elevates them to now they're a fun watch. Absolutely. They're winning basketball games. I mean, Minnesota yeah. right now, they're in the seventh spot. They're 44 and 34. They're two games back at Denver. They beat Denver last night at 46 and 32. So is it likely for Minnesota to catch the Nuggets? It's not, but Denver's also one of those teams uh, where you look at the Clippers and the Nuggets, both have been without their major starters. For most of this season, Jokic is there, but you, you're missing Murray, you're missing Porter, uh, and who knows when either of those two will come back for the Denver Nuggets. I also don't think giving an MVP to a sixth place team is is right. That's fair. I, that I, is fair I, I to say. I don't like that. I you you go Embiid, I would go Giannis. I think Giannis in the last month has turned it up a notch. Yeah, and I think there there's no doubt uh, in my mind that, that Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the league at well, the moment. Like I would agree with you. I'm just going by how the writers look at it. It's like okay, that's too much for Giannis. To give it to someone else. I, I would agree that I would give it to Giannis, but that's. But you know how the voters look at that. It's like, all right, that's too many. Well, right? and, and that goes kind of to the conversation we were having with, with Taylor. Sometimes you got to get your head out of the box score and you got to watch the games. And I, I get Jokic is very skilled. He's got a skill set. I have a question for you about Jokic. I'll ask you that question coming up next in two minutes. I got a question about Jokic. Right. And bigs from the past. How would Jokic stack up, say, if we were in the 90s? 
Remember the centers of the 90s? I got a question about that for you coming up next. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.